Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 71 Aranth Defarinen, the Changeling Wizard. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Katie Downey's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> everyone and welcome to sidekicks and side quests the best unofficial dungeons and dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion and we have a great wonderful awesome sauce guest for you today but before i reveal who our mystery contestant is today i have to give you the first ad read from plus one exp uh, former guest of the show, Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic D&D stats, so get a little can, apply it to your face, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects, including Repugnant with Terrible Games, iToaster, a brave little toaster-inspired tabletop game, and Down We Go, a game which seeks to capture the heart of old-school tabletop gaming. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on their store, or supporting them on the Patreon and the like, on Itch, uh, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Ford program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. Highly encourage you to go on over to Tony and Plus One EXP socials on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, in order to keep up with all the various projects he's working on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these quirky, cool indie RPGs. And if you don't mind, head on over to plus1exp.com, use my affiliate code Randolph when you're buying a beard balm or a beard RPG, in order to save some money on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, the code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. Thank you, mystery guest contestant, for bearing in mind. Uh, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to our lovely podcast audience? Sure. My name is Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie. Yes. I noticed uh, the nom de plure on Twitter, so that's where I've seen you. And I saw recently you would put a call out as far as like, hey, I'll be on your podcast. I was like, oh, great. I need people on my podcast. Let me just send her a quick email and see if she's interested. It's fun stuff. I, I love getting to, to meet people and do interviews and just have fun. 
for those of us ignorant uh, folks in the audience, certainly not me, but but for everyone else in the audience, would you mind uh, telling us what it is that you do? I understand you're a streamer. You play D&D on the internet, is that right? I do. I, I play the D&D on the internet. Um, I am a cast member of the D4 stream, which is a canonical 5th edition stream that airs every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Um, and that's on twitch.tv slash d4rpg. And it is an absolutely phenomenal game. I play a cleric of Ogma, the god of knowledge and bards. And uh, she is a paladin and she is a hot mess and I love her. Um, and on Thursday nights, every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. on twitch.tv slash domain, I play Rolo, the Erd Cobalt Wizard, who is just a precious little muffin. And every time I play her, I come back feeling so happy. She's just warm and loving and wonderful. Yes. And then I do a variety streaming as well. Um, On Sundays, I play um, uh, New World with D&D Jordan Lee. We dual stream that and uh, we get up to all sorts of shenanigans. We call it Brunchapalooza. And they're are many times uh, boozy coffee or mimosas involved. So it's wow. it's a pretty entertaining way to spend your Sunday morning. Yeah, it sounds like you got a full plate uh, during the week. So it's a pretty busy uh, schedule that you keep, but also, you know, one that allows you to live a normal life and function in society and all that good yes. stuff too. Yeah, I, I have a day job. Um, I am a commercial building envelope consultant. Um, so basically anything on the exterior of a commercial building, the walls, mm. the windows, the roof. Um, I go out and do assessments. I oversee construction projects Whoa. involving them. And uh, yeah, I basically make sure everything's done the way it's supposed to be done. Well, that's a very important job in society, as one person like Mike Rowe might say, a dirty job, but uh, necessary for the wheels of civilization uh, to keep turning. It, it is. It's, it's often a stinky job, but it's, it's very uh, challenging. There's always a new puzzle to solve um, mm-hmm. every day. It's never the same thing over and over, so it's really enjoyable. I was going to just offhandedly ask any of that uh, come in handy when it comes to playing one of your characters in in one of your games. You're like, oh, I know this thing in real life. So let me recently on D4, um, we were uh, going to set fire to a building and Mm. um, we needed to have some of the rafters fall on um, some some skeletal remains. And so I I started pointing out, well, this rafter looks like it's got some more wear on it. It looks like there's a leak over here and it's causing the wood to rot so if we hit that with the start of the fire it should cause it to burn a little faster and that'll bring the beam down and it, i went into like this whole huge description and it worked out real well the dms just sort of laughed and went yeah you would know <laughs> it's always nice when you're able to bring in uh you know your real world knowledge into the fantasy world and be like we'll see now the verisimilitude is even more believable because like i know how this would work in real life Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think we've danced around this question and it it seems like a gimme, but do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? I I actually do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I play um, both those two streamed games and then I'm currently DMing a Saturday morning game for a group of my friends. So I'm getting a little bit of each side of the table. So uh, when was your first time playing Dungeons and Dragons? Back when I was in high school, um, it would have been um, second edition. 
oh, back wow. in the 80s. Yeah, I played for about eight or nine years. And then I stopped because I got into live action role playing. Mm. And so I I really enjoyed being up and physically doing the fighting and, and the role play and all that. And so my tabletop kind of left off. And then in 2019, Dustin Fletcher, the one of the two DMs of D4, we run with two DMs simultaneously. Oh, wow. um, Dustin got a hold of me and asked me if I wanted to play some D&D and be on a stream. And I just wanted to play D&D. So I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a week later, um, Adam Jones got a hold of me and asked me if I wanted to be in the Stellar Arcanum podcast. And I was like, hey, more D&D, sure. Yeah. So that that was how I got back into it. And since then, it's become my favorite hobby. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I think uh, people underestimate those of us in the hobby when we have to explain like, no, this is like a hobby and, you know, maybe even sometimes a way of life when they're just like, oh, it's just that 80s game that they play on Stranger Things and stuff like that. And then you go do something else. But it's like, no, you don't right. understand. Yeah, <laughs> no, this this isn't hmm, this is more <laughs> than a game. <laughs> As long as we don't go monsters and mazes, Tom Hanks, we're fine. Right. Yes. Yeah. There, there are limits. You have to stay within the limits mm -hmm. and then you'll be happy and have a wonderful gaming time. Well, this podcast is called Sidekicks and Sidequests. So we like to ask our guests this first question here of, do you happen to have a favorite NPC, whether they're from a video game or a tabletop game, movie, television, literature, etc.? And uh, why are they one of your favorite sidekicks? Um, my favorite NPC, I don't know that they're really a sidekick, but, um, it would have to be my favorite NPC was Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. Um, he was one of the first real villains I saw in a game that really like viscerally made me go, oh, he's a bad guy. But at the same time, he had a story that was sympathetic almost in a way. And so I, I loved the, the conflicting emotions that he raised. And I mean, as a teenage girl, he was hot. So <laughs> that, that helped too. But if a CGI can be hot, um, but it was that realization, he was really the first sympathetic villain I had really connected to. Mm. And so that sort of introduced me to this whole new world of how I could play characters or build NPCs. So I am completely indebted to the creators of Final Fantasy VII for that because he introduced me to just a wonderful, wonderful new level of storytelling. That's awesome to hear. I know Final Fantasy is not a franchise that I am uh, intimately familiar with. You were describing Sephiroth, and I feel like my good friend Amelia, aka Firewriter, um, she runs a podcast called Pixel People Podcast, and so they do these like in-depth discussions on characters, and I feel like Oh, what you're describing, I feel like this was an episode of Pixel People podcast where they did like a whole deep dive on Sephiroth. And so I got to yeah. learn a little bit more about like the particular world and story of uh, Seven. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, he's like that alien thing, right? He's like a person, yes. but he's also an alien. Yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of like a, an alien intelligence um, built into a mortal's body, but mm. he transcends mortality. It's it's this beautiful brilliant story and he and the main character were both um kind of born from this sort of alien energy mm. and they're brothers but at the same time they're enemies and it's just oh. it's a beautiful story 
And now for the flip side of the coin, uh, do you happen to have a favorite side quest from RPG, video game, movie, television, literature, etc.? And uh, why has it been one of your favorite side quests? Okay, so I'm kind of stretching on this one. I have recently gotten into playing New World. And there are uh, town job items that you can get that make improvements to the town, like the whole player base pitches in and you Hmm. build up uh, repositories to um, give bonuses or um, improve the crafting stations and stuff like that. And I absolutely devour those because a lot of them have to do with crafting and gathering. And those are my favorite things to do in video games. I love crafting. I love gathering. I love fishing. And this game has all of that and then some. So I I really, really, really love those town job board listings. And you get um, XP for them and you get a little bit of gold and the Mm. whole nine, but they don't advance the story at all. So they qualify as side quests, but they are so much fun. I was going to ask you, are you familiar with the uh, Fallout 76 game franchise? I'm not. Okay. Because um, this this draw, drew parallels for me because, um, well, not, not to, but listeners of this podcast are familiar in the earlier episodes with me talking about how I used to play that game a lot and took a, a break, you know, when I had a, a child and, uh, and moving and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and I've only just had an opportunity to play it again, but it reminds me of, uh, those community things where, oh, the Brotherhood of Steel was coming to Appalachia. So um, there's this guy at the old uh, observatory who's like, hey, come, you know, pitch in your, uh, you know, wood and steel and aluminum and circuitry and whatever else. And, you know, if the community got to certain stretch mark goals, like everyone would get like a cosmetic item for the camp or there, you know, would be, um, you know, some overall bonus for everybody in the community. Yeah. Um, but also like every time you did it, like, you know, you got little like, uh, you know, bonus gift boxes or something. And so you'd like get a bunch of those and open them up and you'd get like, you know, money and, uh, alcohol and like, uh, yeah. grenades and whatever else, you know, that the that's game what I like to get. You. I like things that explode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I do like blowing stuff up in games. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll round it out here uh, for the last question of the personal interview section. What are you passionate about and why? I am passionate about promoting mental health awareness in the gaming community. I am the executive manager for Jasper's Game Day, which is an organization that raises funds for suicide awareness and prevention charities. Um, And I am an ambassador for TakeThis.org. Um, they are a organization that seeks to normalize mental health issues within the gaming community and sort of both of them are, are geared towards letting people know that it's not uncommon these days to have mental health complications and that there is a wonderful network out there to help you work through it and to support you. And you can go to jaspersgameday.com or takethis.org. You can find resources for, um, like Jaspers has resources for suicide hotlines and chat lines um, and things of that nature. Take This has an abundant resource base of information for uh, gamers and specifically for streamers, um, helping them learn to build safe communities. and 
both of these organizations are just absolutely incredible. And I consider myself very fortunate to have come to know them and become involved with them. That's incredible and amazing. Um, yeah, no, uh, mental health is uh, very important. And uh, I hope that we as a community overall and all of our various facets are doing well and doing our part to help each other out. Um, do you feel like with specifically these two organizations and maybe with others that exist out there as well, do you feel like that's something that's been like before maybe we didn't, we knew about it, but maybe we didn't pay as much attention to it or didn't really, we just thought like, oh yeah, that's a thing, whatever. And now it's like, oh, actually this is like a legitimate thing and we need to be making sure we take care of ourselves. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, uh, I would say in the last 10 years within the gaming community and both TTRPGs, gaming uh, on computers or consoles and LARPing, I think all of them have kind of evolved in how we view and approach mental health within ourselves and the community as a whole. Um, there's, of course, there's still work to be done, but there's definitely been improvement and advancement. And I think the community has really come together to support one another when it comes to, to mental health issues. Just the, the way people relate and recognize when somebody might be in crisis or is having a bad day, just, just struggling with a bad day. The, the outpouring of support that you see is so incredible. And 10 years ago, you might not have seen that because it wasn't something that people felt comfortable discussing openly. So normalizing the fact that it is a, a facet of our lives and working to um, kind of move away from problematic language so that people can feel comfortable talking about what they're dealing with. I think all of that has, has really evolved within the gaming community over the last, I'd say, 10 years. Well, certainly I'm thankful for being able to learn so much more about my wonderful guest that now I think it's time we head into some NPC creation. All right, well, NPC creation uh, is brought to you by you, uh, the community uh, that is the podcast, The Levitating Platter. Um, as of the time of this recording, still no Patreon supporters, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to continue making the show for free and I'm not going to beat it over your noggins to, you know, give me money. But if, you know, you've got some gold burning in your pocket and you want to give it to probably one of the cheapest Patreon accounts you'll find out there, uh, I'll take your money and I'll make sure that I do something great with it. So I'll give you a loud hurrah anyway, podcast community. Thank you for continuing to listen. And we're well on our way to our 2022 goal of 5,000 total downloads. And so who knows, maybe we'll be able to smash that goal and then uh, go for an even bigger number. And thanks, everyone. All right, so now we're here at NPC Creation. And uh, so this is the part of the show where we get to make a character. So did you have an idea of a character that you wanted to create and kind of uh, piece together here through these questions? Or did you want to roll randomly on the tables and just generate something wildly unexpected? I came up with an NPC. Oh, okay, you did. All right, yes. cool. All right, so we will walk our way through the questions then, and we will discover who this mystery character is. So first question, what is the character's name? Aranth Defarinen. All right, I think I, I better have something to write this down so that way I don't... 
forget how to spell it. How just off a- chance? How do you spell that? Yeah, A R I N T H. D apostrophe F A R A N I N. What is the ancestry of this character? She is a changeling. Oh, interesting. Okay, we've had exactly one other changeling on this podcast way in the early days so it was a secret that we discovered on as we were making the characters so that's where the dice rolls come into play in uh, in the random tables and it changed the character wildly but it was oh a, i bet a, it was a fun discovery but okay just out from the get-go changeling okay yes interesting okay what is the job or role in society for Aaron? the fire she is a in. student student okay if we were to put her into a uh, Wizards of the Coast property, one might say Strixhaven? Um, we could go Strixhaven, yeah, absolutely. Possibly, okay. All right, um, how old is Erin? She is 15. 15, okay, all right. So medieval standards, definitely proper young adult, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, now comes, uh, well, the interesting part, I suppose, which is uh, describe the physical appearance of Aaron. I know being a changeling, uh, she can assume many forms and identities, but is there like a particular resting one? Um, do changelings just like to naturally exist as they're kind of like, this is my default changeling, like this would naturally be me as a changeling, or no, I have to assume uh, a particular form that I'm comfortable with? Well, she has a particular form. Um, she is approximately five foot four. Okay. She has long, uh, ashen blonde hair, tanned skin with hazel eyes. She has a lithe dancers build. And what is it that she's, what is she studying in school? Is she studying to be like a mage of some sort? Is it like a traditional university sort of a setting? And, oh, I'm the daughter of a nobleman and I'm being sent off for university education to be learned she is the daughter well here's here's the tricky part she's grown up as the daughter of two farmers and they scrimped and saved all their lives because they wanted her to have an education so that she could um travel and see the world they had a passion for travel but they didn't have the ability to afford traveling so they they decided that they would educate their daughter uh, highly so that she could afford to go out and adventure and see the world. She recently discovered she was a changeling. So she's always mm. used her facade that she grew up with as her, her resting state, if you will. Okay. And she is probably still in general lessons for being a wizard. Uh, she has not yet picked her uh, subclass. She hasn't picked her major. Exactly. Oh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just here at college. I'm just taking classes and uh, going to parties and stuff like that. I don't have to worry about a major for another couple of years. Exactly. This is the <laughs> fun part. Interesting. I know um, from my understanding, I mean, obviously homebrews can do changelings different. And, you know, I, I suppose the Watsi, Faerun, Forgotten Realms has its own lore. Well, Eberron for changelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you were explaining that um, Aerith recently discovered that she was a changeling. So are you yes. envisioning the changeling thing as like, um, oh, kind of like the X-Men mutation sort of a thing? Like, oh, all of a sudden I just discovered I had powers one day when a great heightened emotional response uh, triggered it or the parents were changelings too, but it wasn't, or I don't know, maybe explain your approach. Sure. She started having dreams of this couple, this couple of Fae. And um, she remembered 
sort of had visions almost seeing them with an infant and they would change their face to amuse her and make her giggle. And then one day she dreamt about those people placing her in a bassinet and picking up another baby and leaving with that other baby. And so she woke up and after a few very troubling nights of this, she sort of had an emotional breakdown. And at one point she turned and looked up into the mirror and ran her hands across her face, trying to wipe the tears away. And her skin tone changed behind her hands. Ooh. And so she, she started trying to figure out what was going on there and discovered that she was able to change her appearance in any way she could think of. And so she went and spoke with her favorite professor about what was going on. And the professor told her, well, there are a few possibilities and they ran through them. And what they finally realized was that she was in fact a changeling baby. Mm. And she is a folklore type changeling. Oh, okay. So like from actual like fae folklore, but yes. like Celtic folklore, yes. is that what you're thinking? Exactly. Yes. Oh. She was the baby that was taken or was placed in place of a human baby. Okay. Normally she adopts the guise of a human. Um, yes. And then, you know, she had this dream uh, and then she talked to the professor and then mm -hmm. it was discovered like, ah, okay, you're actually a changeling. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Very cool. Did she take the news very well? She had a very difficult time of it. Um, realizing that the parents she grew up with were not her birth parents mm. was a shock. Um, she never had any reason to think otherwise. It was, she was a changeling baby. She was the perfect transplant, I guess would be the word. Mm -hmm. um, she was, she was a perfect mimic of the human baby that was taken. So she she had a very difficult time trying to understand why her parents would do that what their goal was so she's she's struggling with that more so than oh hey i'm i'm not a human i'm a changeling mm -hmm. uh the emotional toll it's taken on her is more having to do with um feeling wanted do her friends and professors and colleagues you know still love and accept her as a person they're like oh we just know you as Aaron. then you know the fact that you're a changeling doesn't matter to us or or does it affect uh, some of her relationships at school? well she hasn't told any of them about the dreams um she she told one professor and she swore that professor to secrecy and it's her favorite professor and mm. they they won't rat her out and she explained to them that this was something that she needed to deal with herself on her terms and that um, this wasn't something to go talk to her parents about. This was something she had to deal with and confront and her professor agreed. Um, she hasn't told her friends about the fact that she was switched. Her close friends know what she is, but they don't know about the, um, the switching at uh, infant stage. Okay. In this uh, setting or world that we're imagining, um, do the other sort of, quote, normal D&D &D changelings exist as far as like, oh, hey, we're changelings and we just change around and, oh, yeah. you know, it's no big deal. But the yeah. fact is that she's a unique changeling in that she has that Celtic fae sort of background as far as like, oh, my parents replaced me with someone else's 
baby and I grew up thinking that, oh, I'm just a normal human. And then come to find out, oh, actually, I'm not. Exactly. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Very juicy character so far. Uh, and what? here we are. We're only in the uh, the physical description part of the <laughs> character. I don't know. Just trying to think, are there any other physical characteristics that we should note? Are there any other, oh, I don't know, any other particular guises that she likes? Is she one to do like the whole sort of college, like, haha, we're going to pull pranks and get into mischief and stuff like that. And so I can use my abilities to do that. Or is it, you know, she uses it to try and get more study time in the library. If there's like a limit, she just changes into someone else. And then it's like, oh, now I have more time with this book when before I would have had to like turn it back in or, you know, those sorts of kinds of things. I like to think that she has used it to mimic the appearance of one or two of her professors to get into the restricted section of the library. Ooh, that's cool. That's cool. But that's probably the extent of her using it for mischievous purposes. Um, Sounds otherwise... like a very Hermione Granger sort of thing. Like if she could <laughs> right? shape change to like get in the restricted section to nerd about stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and she's gone in there to learn things about um, changelings themselves mm. and the Fae and the Fae Wild. For Aerith, what three adjectives would you use to describe her? Kind, confused, determined. What is a valuable item? piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that Aaron ascribes to? She has in her mind a perfect map of the Feywild. Interesting. I feel like that would be something very hard to do, but I guess because she's gotten into the restricted section and done these advanced studies without anyone's uh, knowledge, she it sounds like, yeah, she'd probably be the one person to be able to figure it out to do it. She has this sort of unique connection to the Feywild. Um, right, yeah. Because yeah. she was there as an infant, mm. but removed from it. Um, mm. As she studied, it sort of illustrated itself into her mind. And so um, oh, she doesn't like know she it She could yet. visualize it like in four dimensions or something like that. Everyone else right. can only see it as a flat thing on a page. But she's like, no, you don't understand. Like it shifts and it moves and it blends and it weaves. Exactly. He has yes. the mind that can do it. Oh, that's cool. That's super cool. And then aside, obviously, the secret of the dreams and the changeling thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know any other cool things as far as like, I don't know, like a, a trinket or like some ideal or concept that she ascribes to her. Uh, she also has a locket that has her human parents photos in them. Aww. And when she squeezes it in her hand, she can feel their mental state. So she knows if they're content. She knows if they're worried. Is she the one to write letters often back oh, home? Yes. Are her parents, far be it for me to make assumptions, but I mean, it was stated in the lore that, you know, her parents were farmers. Are her farmer parents very literate people to be um, able to receive letters? As, as she's grown up, she's taught them how to read as she learned. Um, she would come home from um, her lessons because she would have had a tutor when she was little and uh, she would come home from her lessons with a book and she would sit down with her parents and she would teach them the words as she learned them Aww. so they would read together. That's awesome. I love that. That's that's very cool. What is a particular quest that Aerith would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on her behalf? 
she wants to go find out what happened with her birth parents and where her human parents' daughter is. Oh, yes. That raises an interesting question with me, because forgive me, I am not familiar with everything Celtic lore, um, but typically in these stories of changelings, when the babies get swapped out, what typically ends up happening with the uh, baby that is taken by the other changelings? My understanding is that typically they grow up in the Fey realm and um, just sort of become Denzians within the realm. Uh, they're they're lost to it, but they mm. they feast, they dance, um, they are the playthings of the Fey. Okay, so this human woman have then has grown up in the Feywild, um, subject to the whims of other Fey creatures uh, that live there. So are you imagining then that these uh, other changelings who took her then, is it more of a chaos thing where they're like, haha, we got this human and we brought it to the Feywild and we're going to raise this human as our own? Or is it just like, haha, chaos, we're going to dump this human baby just randomly in the Feywild and hope that it can survive on its own or something? She doesn't know, but um, what has happened is basically the the Fey parents um, just sort of felt like they were bored with the idea of a regular baby, and so they wanted to do something different. So they went and swapped her out. Um, mm. it, it's not that they were cold or maliceful. They, they just have a different way of thinking about things. They don't have the same emotional bonds that say a human parent would form with their child okay that i understand okay so very chaos and kind of like a, a different mental state as far as like oh well we're bored with this baby okay we'll just go to the the mundane world and we'll swap out and we'll try yeah. this human baby and we'll see how that goes and so exactly yeah okay interesting okay so Definitely seems like a pretty big daunting uh, side quest adventure as far as like, okay, well, we want to introduce the Feywild. Okay, we'll just plop this uh, student who's on a, a quest of, uh, well, maybe not quite vengeance, but a, a, a knowledge information seeking quest as far as right. like, I need to go to the Feywild and I need to confront my parents, my actual exactly. birth parents. Exactly. Okay, and so is she willing to go along with the heroes to kind of serve as a guide, considering she has this four-dimensional map in her head of where they ought to go? She insists on it. Ooh, okay, cool. And so we launch into this whole side quest campaign of navigating through all the twists and turns of the Feywild to eventually confront the parents, and then I guess it's up to Dungeon Masters to figure out if that's going to be some kind of boss battle or just some sort of social interaction as far as, like, Oh, hey, you're back here. Cool. Oh, meet the human woman. And, right. and then it's just like some sort of interlude instead of a confrontation or something like that. But right. I yeah. imagine it could be a very emotional confrontation coming from Erin to her birth parents. Mm -hmm. Since we're going to be investing in this, um, what is the reward then for successfully navigating through the Feywild, finding these changeling parents and then having this matter play out whether it's going to be just uh, talking or fighting or what have you she doesn't have anything to offer mm. okay so it's more of appealing to the the sense of adventure and the a sense yes. of like you want a challenge or you want you to want go it helping this child well i suppose being on the adventure herself as far as offering her services mm -hmm. i mean i i suppose you know help keeping them alive and telling them where to go through the feywild i suppose is a reward that you're earning along the way but okay 
if truly, honestly, she doesn't have anything to really offer the players other than the the role play and the and the adventure and stuff like that. I mean, that's fine too. But the heartwarming feeling of helping a child. Fair enough, and and hopefully, uh, yeah, that'll entice. And all players. the loot you get on the way. That too. I, I suppose she could probably <laughs> throw that in too. Of like, oh yeah, there's all sorts of like evil chaos fae creatures in there. I'm sure you can slaughter them along the way and take whatever trinkets and bounty that they've stolen from the mundane mm-hmm. world and everywhere else. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that balances out. But now we have to consider the opposite. What's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure? The consequence would be that she would go and try to do it by herself mm. and would most assuredly not survive. Oh, and even though she has the knowledge of how to navigate, it's a very completely different thing with having the training and the... Exactly. Uh, and the skills needed to actually survive. In exactly. Because she's like level two. She's level one or level two. She's not a big beefy caster. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's I a know, student. dancing lights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can do dancing lights. Ta-da! <laughs> she's, she's not a, a big caster, so she's she needs help. And if the PCs turn it down and decide not to go, um, I think at some point they would start seeing... Um, crudely written posters with her picture where her parents are looking for her. Oh, heartbreaking. What are the goals and motivations of Erin? She wants answers. She wants to bring home the daughter of the two people she loves most in the world. Her feelings towards her her parents haven't changed. Mm. Um, She has questions about her birth parents but she loves her parents and she feels like they deserve to know the child that they gave birth to. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she wants that for them. So that's probably her biggest goal is to, to see their daughter brought home as far as she's concerned, her sister. Oh um, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> my heart just swelled three times. It size. <laughs> that's so heartwarming and wholesome. She's a wonderful girl. I love her. <laughs> Well, how do these goals and motivations affect her general personality? Um, she's normally kind of just very sweet and kind. Um, when it comes to this, though, she is, this is where determined from, from the earlier question comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, she's firm on this. She, mm-hmm. she won't be talked out of it. She knows what she needs to do. She knows how to do it. She just needs help getting it done. Uh, how does Aerith normally interact uh, with different groups of people, whether they're friends and family, enemies, rivals, people that she's in class with, professors, uh, player characters? Is she the same across the board or, you know, does she interact kind of in different ways? She is shy with other students because she she came from very humble roots and she is easily intimidated by the the kids of nobles and Mm. uh, people who have clout and standing. She gets along very well with all of her professors. Um, She's an attentive student. She just devours knowledge, absolutely devours it. And while she's not the best of the wizards in her class, Mm -hmm. she's probably the hardest working. She would react to the PCs when she finds out they're adventurers. She would be positively giddy 
with excitement because she's been waiting for somebody to come along that that could help her with this. These and are these only are in the, stories that I've read. These are only in bard songs that I've heard in the tavern that, you know, people actually go out into the ruins and other realms and do these things. Exactly. Adventurers are not that common when you come down to it in the world. Mm. Um, and so for her to have come across some who might actually be able or willing to help her it just delights her to no end and uh, raises her spirits tremendously. Um, when she talks to the PCs, she'll just a mile a minute trying to explain everything. Um, and they'll they'll probably, you know, try to get her to slow down or, or um, at some point she'll stop and take a breath and be like, okay, I'm sorry. I know this is a lot. Let me start again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't start all over again. Just start from the last place that you were. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Funny. Uh, does she have a particular accent or language that she uses? Um, are there any idiosyncrasies in the way that she acts or speaks? She has a slight drawl um, mm. from the way, um, at least in, in our modern world, when you get out into more rural areas, people tend to swallow their words a little bit. Yeah, I know. She's Texas, got, Georgia. We we know got a the little draw. bit of that draw. Got a little bit of the draw. A little right, bit of the draw. Right. <laughs> and um, so a lot of time people think she's not that bright. Mm -hmm. And she she really is. She she does a good job. She tries hard. And it's not fair that some people judge her simply for the way she talks. Mm. She I love her. I love her. She's gonna go in my game. I'm gonna find a way to stick <laughs> her in my game. <laughs> She, um, whenever she's stressed, she grabs that locket mm -hmm. and she'll hold it for a minute. And typically, I mean, her parents are farmers. They're, they're typically fine. So that she'll grab that in times of, of duress and kind of take a deep breath and then let it go. If for some reason she gripped it and they were distressed, that would immediately cause her stress. I picture her intending as she as she advances in level going into divination. Okay. Interesting. And so she would uh, if she was high enough level and she clutched it and got something that worried her, she would immediately scry on them. What impact has Aerith made on the world? How has she shaped the local area? She is something of a hero in her little hamlet that she grew up in. She is a girl who's making it. She learned to read, which is very uncommon in rural areas like that. Um, she can do magic, which kind of frightens but excites everybody. And the fact that she goes off to this big school and learns with all these important people just blows them away. So she's something of a local hero. Um, I could even see her getting the folk hero background. It's a local area, but, you know, people talk to their relatives in these other small hamlets and, oh, do you know what little Aerith is doing now? Kind of thing. She's at university. Oh, she dang. went to she university. Went... Wow. Hot dang. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are the current problems that prevent Aerith from being a bigger player on the stage? I think we have this figured out. It's the fact that she has this quest. She has this drive to see mm -hmm. baby human well, now probably grown up at this point and no could telling. Be, could still be an infant. I mean, it's the fable. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Oh, wow. Yeah, Dungeon Masters, you have a lot of leeway to play with. 
when it comes to this particular character. So, yeah. Wow. This show does its job as far as like, we're on the surface. It's like, well, we're just going to make an NPC. No big deal. But then you really dive deep into it and you're just like, oh my gosh, like this person, this story, this character, I can't wait to see it uh, play out in a game. Well, the questions set you up really nicely for developing an NPC. The questions you ask are very helpful in guiding the um, evolution of this amorphous blob into a living, breathing character. Um, you cover a lot of really good foundational aspects. So that, I, that made it really easy to come up with something. Well, thank you. I certainly can't take all the credit for it, but I, I certainly <laughs> thank you. And with that affirmation, I think it's time we head into a random encounter. Right, so this random encounter, of course, is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They're Texas titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in the backyard of DFW. They've got an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories. They stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a miniature for you. Uh, every time you shop with them on their store and make a purchase, uh, I think at least $40, $50 at this point, they're going to give you a cool new mini of the month for free. And it's always something new. It's always changing. So all the more reason to shop with them every month. If you visit my website, if you visit the show notes of this episode, you're going to find a link uh, for this sponsorship. And be sure to use that link in order to hop on over to Reaper Miniatures. Uh, by doing this, you're supporting Sidekicks and SideQuests. It helps to track the traffic and uh, show Reaper Miniatures how much, uh, you know, attention and everything that we're bringing to them. Doing so, we can combine our Texas powers and continue doing awesome stuff. I know um, over Christmas break, I got to spend a bunch of gift cards that I've been giving. And I know uh, recently I checked my inbox and I had another $50 gift card. So I certainly thank everyone for going on over uh, to Reaper Miniatures through my link and, and checking them out. I really appreciate it. All the more reason to go and spend my money with them and supporting local business, as it were, for me. So, again, go check out the link on the show notes on my website to use that link. And be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. All right, so this is the part of the show where now we get to breathe life into Aaron Defarinen. Okay, <laughs> cautiously said it. Not that was to... good. That was good. Okay, okay. So now we're going to get to give her a voice in a vignette, in a roleplay scenario. So uh, the question I have for you is, do you have a particular scene in mind that you want to showcase her off in? Do you want her to meet uh, one of the podcast NPC adventurer characters to propose the side quest? Or, or what are you thinking of uh, perhaps doing? Um, I, I think meeting a uh, character that she could try to convince to go on this quest would be really fun. Okay, we've got four choices. So we have Duncan, happy-go-lucky. He faces down any challenge uh, with a smile on his face. We've got Sonia, the warrior woman, who uh, recently multi-classed uh, from Barbarian, now also into Paladin. We have Korak, uh, the lawful evil arcane trickster dwarf. Uh, and then we have a brand new NPC that's a couple episodes old now, uh, Chris Lee. Uh, she's this herbalist botanist. She's a shy wood elf druid from the woad you know fresh out into the world uh trying to you know learn about uh, all the nature and animals going on and and all that stuff so let's go with chrisley 
Chrisley. Oh, Chrisley is on a hot streak as of late, so she's been popping up in a lot of adventures. So, well, it was going to be her or Duncan. So, <laughs> okay, well, very good. Well, I'm happy. Uh, let us go ahead and set the scene. So, where we last left our hero, Chrisley, she was running off into the insert place here. Uh, for Thistle, the Sky Elf painter, portraitist, artist, uh, so she could get that last ingredient that Thistle needed in order to get that special pigment uh, that she needed for the portrait she was working on to meet the deadline. And so after doing that, you know, she gets back into town and then she finds that this town has a university attached to it, a rather prestigious uh, arcane school within it. And so all these fresh, uh, you know, up and coming wizards and warlocks and sorcerers, well, maybe not warlocks, but certainly wizards and sorcerers and artificers and all that kind of stuff are there. And so Chrisley's just walking around and she sees that the university grounds are immaculate as far as the flora and the fauna are concerned. Maybe it kind of irks her a little bit because she's a, a druid or maybe not irks, but piques her interest because, you know, she's a druid um, and she's used to nature being wild and chaotic. And here it's like all manicured and it's like arcanely shaped in different ways. And so maybe part of her wants to complain to someone, but also, you know, but she's shy. And so she wouldn't just be outright mean and ugly to someone. Uh, but maybe she just wants to study it up closely. Um, and maybe this is an opportunity where, um, Aaron, uh, you know, is she like in a courtyard kind of by herself and, and stuff like that? Maybe. I think she's sitting in a courtyard in a little hollow that's created between a bunch of blueberry bushes that are growing and these are these are long aged blueberry bushes so they grown up and kind of over and formed this little cave within them that she likes to go and sit in and study so that she has some some peace and it reminds her of being back in a a, a more um natural area okay so we'll say as uh, as Chrisley is kind of like, you know, she's muttering to herself and um, you can hear Elvish, but you can also hear some druidic. And then she seems to get excited and she's you hear a rustling because she's starting to like pick berries off the bush and she's like testing them and she's like putting them in her mouth and tasting them, spitting some of them out, you know, and then scooping it up and tasting it again and testing it. You know, so maybe you're just seeing her feet, especially if it's grown up uh, and, and stuff like that. So maybe Aerith isn't fully seeing Chrisley yet, but she's muttering, she's talking, she seems to be excited. Uh, and you hear like a rustling as she seems to be pulling out a book. And she's like, you hear a, a rustling of, of a pencil on some paper parchment as she's like, she's doing like some sketch work or maybe charcoal instead of a pencil, charcoal pencil. Uh, she's doing a sketch work and she's like, she's taking notes on these blueberries and she seems to be. Uh, excited about them as she's uh, getting into them, tasting them, you know, seeing which ones are good or like how, how they're reacting and, and stuff like that. The big fat ones are the best. And so Chris will stop. She'll look around. She'll think uh, she says something in Druidic thinking that perhaps the, uh, the bushes are talking to her, but then she like looks down and she can see, I guess the part of uh, Aaron sticking out. And so she'll kind of do the thing where she like leans down and pokes her head in and then she'll like wave and she'll be like, Oh, uh, and, She'll switch over to common, so it takes her a second. And she's like, oh, um, hello. Uh, nice to make your acquaintance. Am I, am I disturbing you? No, you're fine. I, I was just sitting in here doing some studying and saw you tasting the berries. And you, you seemed like you weren't sure whether you could eat them or not. They're perfectly edible. Oh, oh, thank you so much. And she'll <laughs> kind of force her way. I, is it a big enough space that two people could fit in there or not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
Okay, so she'll actually sit herself down and like scooch in. She's already got a handful of berries, and so you see her picking some more off of them, and so she's just like munching on them and looking around, and then she's like, "This is a this is a rather nice spot for you to have." It's and- my favorite spot on campus. You're not from here, are you? She stops from a, a series of shoving a bunch of berries in her mouth, and she quickly swallows, and she's like, "Oh, ugh, sorry, uh, no." Uh, I am from the Woad, and so the the council sent me out, and I am to document uh, nature, uh, and I am to be its defender. Um, you know, I I'm I'm still relatively young, only about a, a hundred or so. I don't know. We don't have much need of keeping time in the Woad, but um, you know, she she's looking over her appearance and. You know, she can see some of the more wilder, naturalistic stuff is starting to fade. And she's like, I I kind of miss the woad at times, but there's some interesting plants and animals out here. You know, these berries are good. I don't think we've, we have a, uh, a variety of species like this in the, in the woad. And, and she's kind of like sheepishly is kind of like, well, I can't eat all of these. And so you, she, she shoves them in a bag and she'll be like, I'll save them for later. And maybe I'll bring them, be able to bring them back to the woad. What's the woad? Oh, uh, well, it, it's where I'm from. It's it's where my tribe of wood elves live. It's uh, very ancient, uh, you see. Oh, is, is it a wild place? Mm, yes, yes and no. I mean, we do a good job of, of tending to nature and living in communion and harmony with it. And, um, you know, it, it was about that time uh, where they needed to send... Someone out to go see the rest of the world beyond the woad and see how things were progressing. Wait, you're you're out seeing the world? Uh, yes, yes. I, and then she recounts um, her most recent adventures of going to the Dovecote Cafe and going to a cave and getting a piece of mushroom and then running across the famous artist Thistle and um, you know, and, and getting an ingredient for her so she could make her, her pigment for her painting. Um, so she's like, yeah, the, you know, so far, that's what I've done. Um, well, this is incredible. You have no idea. I, I can't believe this. My luck has totally changed today. All right. So um, have, have you ever been to the Fay Wild? How do you feel about Fay? She'll stop and she at first will say something in Elvish to you to kind of see if you understand. Does... Aaron speak Elvish? Nope. Okay. She'll be like, oh, sorry. Um, she switches back to common. She's like, oh, I mean, um, there's a there's a gate. There's a portal, I suppose, uh, that's in part of the town. Uh, well, part of the town. She says, look at me slipping into civilization. Uh, and she'll say, oh, you know, part of the woe. There's a gateway. There's an ar- a natural archway leading into the, the Feywild there. Um, but uh, I've, I've gone... A time or two growing up you know over the course of a hundred years or so but you know we just go to visit she kind of treats it as like oh we go to visit extended family or cousins sometimes there but otherwise she's just kind of like it's just another place in her mind it's like we're just gonna take a drive up to the hill country or something like that well th- this this is just perfect you have no idea. i i can't believe this it's like you've been dropped right into my lap i um well, here, here's the thing. I've, I've, I've got to go to the Feywild, and and I need, I need help getting there. And and once I get there, I need help getting through it. And it just, 
it, it it's too perfect that you you came to this bush and 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 you were here i i can't believe it this must be meant to happen and then you'll see she kind of like perks up a little bit you know seemingly drawing on to the the druidic knowledge and uh she'll probably say something along the lines of like well uh you know nature uh you know she speaks to us and she leads us in her ways and uh well, i i suppose that uh you know if this is the way the winds are blowing um are you are you needing help in getting to the Feywild? you need to escort she basically kind of means it as like i i, I suppose i could go visit uh, you know, my third cousin or something like that in the Feywild while I'm doing this? I, I do. I do need help. Can, could I tell you a secret? Kind of like that seemingly sort of like, okay, sure. Uh, I, I suppose she's heard secrets before, but I, I suppose living in a more communal setting, there's her idea of secrets or, you know, like it's seemingly innocuous things. Yeah. So. I know this, this may sound wild, but, um, see... I'm not actually what I seem to be. I'm a changeling. Um, let's see. She will roll a history check, and we'll say that her history check comes back middle of the road inconclusive. It's like she's heard stories about changelings, and especially for the number of times that she's gone to the Feywild, it's like kind of like that thing of like, you know, where it's like, oh, don't give money to changelings. You know, they're just going to, you know, take more or, you know, kind of like those like sayings or something like that. Sure. But she's never maybe particularly encountered changelings or not that she readily recalls. Um, She'll be like, oh, um, no, changelings. Well, I mean, I, su I suppose they could be anywhere. She kind of says in that sort of um not treating it as like a boogeyman sort of a way, but just kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, I guess they talked about changelings being everywhere in the Feywild, and, you know, you, you had to be careful about who you gave your money to or who you answered questions with, but... Sure, sure. See, my my mom and daddy, they're, um, they're human. And mm -hmm. I, I realized, I started having these dreams, you see, mm -hmm. and... And I came to realize that they're not the mommy and daddy that birthed me. They're the mommy and daddy that raised me. Hmm. I was taken, well, I was placed, and their baby was taken. Hmm. And I got to go find her. She's living her whole life in the Feywild, probably, and has no idea who she is. And, well, my mom and pop, they, they deserve to meet their, their birth daughter. Hmm. And I need help going and finding her. I know what the Feywild looks like. I, I, I could, I know it like the back of my hand, but I need help getting through there because there's monsters and tricksters and hucksters and all sorts of things there. She nods affirmatively and yes, you, you are quite astute. Uh, those are very real dangers of the, of the Feywild. So certainly we, you know, we do not travel alone. Uh, we certainly travel in large groups and, uh, we, we try to go as quickly as, as, uh, we can, uh, from point A to point B. But, uh, but supposing your path is kind of like a river sometimes being in the Feywild. It's not, it's not just a straight line. Right. So. It's okay. all full of crooks and bends and branches. 
So she she takes a moment to consider this and she says, "Well, I I mean, I, that's the closest natural gateway that I know into the Feywild is is back in the Woad and oh, I I hope the elders aren't too mad with me coming home so soon, but I suppose they can't be too upset if I if I show them my findings already and at least report about what I've already learned. Um and then, you know, I, I'm sure they would be uh, forgiving and, and understanding that, uh, you know, that I am escorting you, uh, you know, to the Feywild. And yeah, and she kind of seems like optimistic about that. Like, I don't think this is going to be a problem. Uh, you know, kind of like that thing of like, hey, we just sent you on this big epic quest to go do. And what, you're suddenly home already? Is the epic quest <laughs> too much for you? Kind of a thing. But she'll be like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, um, you mean it? You'll help? Yes, yes. Um, you know, you you feel her kind of getting that sense of like, oh, someone came to me and, uh, you know, they need my help. And I'm like this, you know, like I'm tough and I'm this expert. And, you know, she's always felt very like shy and nervous and stuff like that. And so she feels like a sense of, of confidence surging up of like, yeah, I've been out here a while and I've survived and I've done well for myself and I've learned some new skills along the way. So, yeah, yeah, let's test my metal and see how I can do in the Feywild. So she's like, yeah. Yeah, we'll go. Um, oh, Tamora, I could kiss your ham. Uh, she'll she'll chuckle at that, and then she'll just be like, "Okay, well, I'm. I mean, uh, she'll look around the bush, and she'll be like, do, do we have to go right now, or or can we?'" She like starts picking more berries to start. Oh, we're gonna to... need berries for the road. Okay, so then she will just grab as many berries as she can fit uh, into her haversack. Uh, for, forgive me, my my manners. Um. I, I am Chrisley. Oh, oh shoot, Chrisley, I'm Aranth. I'm so sorry. I, I just got so excited. I, I plum forgot to get your name. And uh, so the, you know, the, the budding friendship begins, I suppose, the montage of gathering supplies in the dormitory and, and trekking their way slowly but surely backwards to the woad, maybe a little sooner than she wanted, but nevertheless on the road to adventure. <laughs> scene okay we did it yay so uh what'd you think of uh the old random encounter and getting to kind of put a voice and a life and personality to uh aaron it was fun i i really like her i'm gonna have to find a way to put her in the game <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I'd like just start talking to all your dms like hey listen <laughs> to this podcast got, i got this npc <laughs> i got this npc i was on this awesome podcast and we created this npc and i love her yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you'll be able to unload all the, the Feywild stuff that you've been saving and just thinking, like, ah, oh, we've been doing Far Realm stuff for so long, maybe it's <laughs> our opportunity to get something a little more lighthearted or something. <laughs> I don't I don't know that going into the Fey Realm with Dustin and Devin would be lighthearted. <laughs> oh, sure, they'll they'll probably crank up all the, uh, the mischievous hucksters. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But we are actually on Dawnbringers. Uh, we're doing the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Oh, so okay. I, I might be able to talk Jake into, uh, Jake is our DM. I might be able to talk him into putting her in somewhere. Oh, that would be, be amusing. Cool. A little yeah. for, a little Fortnite uh, airdropped into the middle of the Feywild being like, <laughs> I'm the student wizard. I'm trying to find my original parents, but I'm lost. And I have no idea where. Please how to, help. Uh, please help. I, I, sh I made the left turn at Albuquerque and I'm pretty sure that's what I was supposed to do, uh, but I have no means of defending myself. Please help me. Yes. 
Perfect. All right. Uh, well, yeah, so we are in the final thoughts, and um, I'm glad that you had a great time uh, making Aerith and uh, getting to go through the exercise of, of creating the character and doing the random encounter. And so um, as we're here in the, the final moments of the show, I always like to give the soapbox, the platform, the stage over to the guests. So any other closing remarks or thoughts, you can share those. Where can we find you on social media? What projects have you got going on? What other things do we need to know? Uh, you can find me on all the socials at Goblin Katie, K-A-T-I-E. I, uh, like I said, I appear Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the D4 stream. Uh, you can catch us on twitch.tv slash D4 RPG, or you can go to twitch.tv slash D&D. We're hosted by the official D&D channel. At 8.30 p.m. on Thursday nights, I am on twitch.tv slash mini terrain domain playing Rolla the Cobalt Erd uh, in Dawnbringers. And on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can catch me on twitch.tv slash GoblinKatie as I play New World with the wonderful D&D Jordan Lee. And we run amok and have just a lovely time. I am currently fundraising for a six-series game uh, that would be DM'd by Mr. Adam Jones of Stellar Arcanum. And it would feature myself, D&D Jordan Lee, Trooper SJP, Robo Goblin, and Persephone. So we are fundraising for that currently. Um, you can find links to how you can contribute on my Twitter. And yeah, I'm popping up here and there every so often. I, I do charity games and random one shots. And I always appreciate folks popping in and saying hi. Awesome. Well. Katie, it was nice to formally meet you and have you as a guest on the podcast. This was a wonderful way to spend my evening, as always. And uh, I, I'm just so glad that um, we got to make Aaron and uh, can't wait to have you back on the show. Uh, maybe perhaps rolling the dice and randomly generating the character, letting the chaos of the Feywild perhaps take over and lead us in character creation next time. Oh, I'm totally here for it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for side kq podcast i would love to talk DD and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our npcs discussions and commentary if you would like to hail the bod simply send an email to sidekicks and sidequests at gmail.com to help this show be the resource it's meant to be i ask that you please leave a review on itunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or 
the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychoists is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!